all the crew that comes in, he mentioned that. I really do appreciate everybody that comes in serving um, either service. And so if you're one of those folks, we really are grateful for the way you serve the congregation. So uh, all of us really benefit together as we pitch in. So we're, we're looking this week again at the power of our words and just the nature of things that come out of our mouth. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at how our words have potential, great potential, both for harm and also uh, for good. If we can turn and harness what we say, we can actually do some amazing things with our words, with what comes out of our mouth. We're also, uh, we looked at a connection last week between what we say and what's in our heart. Actually, the scripture says, and Jesus said, that what our mouth says is actually from the overflow of our heart. It's our heart is spilling over, and as it does, we're saying things. From the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so we don't just say things arbitrarily. We don't randomly just speak. We're actually, and I've mentioned this a few times, we're dipping down every time we open our mouth. We're dipping down into the core of who we are, into our heart, and we're saying things. And those things reveal a great deal about, about us, about who we are, about what's inside of us. And the problem with that is we find out from the Scripture that our hearts have problems. And we looked at that. Our hearts are, are in bad shape. And because of that, um, it's very difficult to just wrestle down our tongue to get it to do what we want it to do because our hearts are full of three core problems, selfishness, arrogance, and hurtfulness. And so, and we just battle. We battle all the time in this area of what we say. And, and um, this is for all of us. And before we really dive in to look again at this topic, specifically a, about a category of speech that is really important to just delete, just to take it off your tongue. That's why we've called this series Delete, because there are certain words that are just better um, to just get rid of completely. But before we really dive into that, um, I want to pray. And part of it is just to prepare ourselves, because anytime we take a look at something so personal and so, um, I think, challenging, practical, um, it's easy to just get really discouraged. Um, when we talk about areas that we're struggling in, it's just easy to walk away feeling really down in the dumps and just leaving and like, man, this was really great. I got up and went to church and I feel horrible, you know. Um, and so what I want to do is really um, encourage you to, as God brings things to your mind, to circle the things on the outline or just write things down that you feel like, man, that's right, that's for me, that's what I needed to hear. And then rather than just getting down in the dumps, asking God to give you the strength and the power to be in the change in these particular areas. And so um, there, there is real hope and victory for us. Some of the best years of our lives will come as we learn to change, as we allow God to change what's in our heart, which will reflect uh, a different kind of speech. And so there, there's real hope for us. There's victory for us through the power that God provides through His Spirit. So let, let's pray together as we... As we dive in, Father, we thank you for, uh, again, for being here. We know you're already here, and so we, we welcome you. And, and, Father, we thank you for getting us out of bed and bringing us here this morning um, amidst everything else going on this weekend and on our plates today even, Lord. And so, Lord, we, we have given you this, this hour to just to present ourselves to you, to listen to you, to worship you. And, Lord, I pray that you would block all distractions right now. From our minds, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you prevent anything from um, 
taking our thoughts a different direction or from just keeping our thoughts from really engaging. Lord, I pray that You'd help us, Lord, to, that You'd lead us through this time and that You'd speak to us. Lord, that we would uh, not just be those who hear, but that we would also think through how, how, do you, how can we do this stuff in our lives, Lord. Give us the, the ability to listen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you want, you take out your listening guide. And at the top, you see this line, many of our thoughts are best left unsaid. I mean, I know this is true. It's a simple statement, but many of the things that come to our mind are just better left, you know, left in our head or just dismissed and erased before we actually proceed to say those things. Um, we've all written emails out of frustration. We're writing this email up. And then before we send, we think, you know, let me just reread what I said. And we reread it and we think, wow, I can't send that. If I send that, this is going to be a mess. This is going to be a mess for them, for me. So we start hitting the delete button, right? And we just delete, delete, delete. Yeah, I can send that. No, that, oh, delete. You know, we highlight whole paragraphs sometimes and maybe it's just words or we change things. We really, we think through what we're going to say, thankfully, hopefully, when we send emails, when we put things on Facebook. Sometimes you read those Facebook posts and you're like, what were they thinking here? You know? And, uh, and as our comedian a couple of weeks ago mentioned, you know, just broadcasting it to the whole wide world. The Internet's actually worldwide. And so, you know, we put in these things up and we have the real power to delete in those settings. But our tongue is very different. It's funny. I think it's funny that on our keyboard, if you look at a typical keyboard, there's like mine has two um, enter buttons. One is like a hard enter and one's a soft enter. And I don't know, some programs it really doesn't make a difference, but like when you're typing a document, you just hit enter in either two places and you can add more words. It's like the emphasis is add more. There's two of those buttons. But on my computer, there's only one delete button. And I kind of wish that there was multiple, in, in my mind, multiple delete buttons that just get pushed before I say everything that comes to my mind because it would, it would keep me out of a lot more trouble, I think. It would help me to have to clear up less in relationships. It would help me to have to I uh, just feel rotten sometimes about what I've said. Or This is a powerful tool. The, the idea of delete is a, is a powerful thing. If we can get our minds around, I don't have to say everything that I think. If I could just delete these things, I mean, we could save ourselves a lot of pain and problems. Look at Proverbs verse 30. We'll kind of launch off from this short statement here. Proverbs 30 verse 32. If you've played the fool, if you've exalted yourself, or if you've planned evil, clap your hand over your mouth. It's interesting. Um, verse 33 is not up on the slide, but it says this, For as churning the milk produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. This, this is the connection. that Sometimes we play the fool, or we exalt ourselves, we say something, and it just stirs people up. In anger. I almost fell off the stage there. And uh, it just stirs people up and he's saying, you know, before you go and do that, clap your hand over your mouth. Delete. Just stop yourself before you let the words fly out. Before they escape. Probably the most harmful category of words that I want to look at today is this one. It's arrogant words. You see it in your outline. This this idea of arrogant words. Um, there's really six categories, six different Types, main types of, of speech that need to be deleted 
And um, this is just one of those types, arrogant words. And um, I actually intended to speak on all six, but if you know me, I end up saying way too much, we'd be here way too long. So then I thought, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to do three today. And then uh, as I was studying more and more, I realized I don't even have time for three. And so we're just going to get into one, which is this one, arrogant speech. And we're going to look at three areas of arrogant speech. Because it's, such a, it's, it's a topic that's massive in the Scripture. It gets us into a lot of trouble. It does a lot of harm. But arrogant words, says up there, exalt us over others. Causes us to look down on others, to, to put ourselves up, and to make ourselves look more impressive. Anytime we start thinking arrogantly, which... Arrogance is in all of our hearts. While we live, we all battle with arrogance, thinking, I deserve more than you. And you, you know, we tend to think, well, I deserve more than that guy or that gal. Or I deserve to be first in line. Or I deserve to, to take shotgun in the car. Or I deserve to get what I want. That arrogance that is in our hearts, actually, it begins to find its way into our speech in, in three different areas. But our arrogance... it mainly just causes proud displays of our knowledge, our, our, our wittiness, our cleverness. Look at, look at this in Psalm 75, verse 4 through 7. This is a warning. The psalmist warns, and he says this. He says, to the arrogant, I say, boast no more. Stop, stop boasting. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. The, lifting, the horns were like a show of strength or a sign of strength. And so... He goes on, he says, Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak with outstretched neck. So, he's warning against times when we push ourselves forward as a show of strength in a proud and bold way. Anyway, anytime we do that. Any proud, um, arrogant display of who we are verbally or even just physically, it gets us into trouble. Verse 6 He's saying, this isn't for us to do. Verse 6 says, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man. See, in our, in our proud displays, and our arrogant words, what we're doing is we're pushing ourselves up. And what he's saying is, no one can do that. No one can really exalt a man, but it's God who judges. He brings down one and he exalts another. God is the one responsible for honoring or, or lifting up us as individuals. And he's also the one, the one responsible for bringing someone down. So you might think, you know, my boss, you know, he's lifted up because he's the, he's the boss. Well, God is actually responsible for him remaining there or him. He's the one that put him there. He'll take him out if needed. God brings one up. He rises one up, exalts one, takes down another. The same is true for all of us, for the roles we play in life. We are naturally inclined to just push ourselves forward. And we do this a lot in the way that we talk. But when we're doing that, the encouragement from the psalmist here is before you do that, before you proudly display your knowledge, your cleverness, clap your hand over your mouth. Delete those thoughts. There's three areas I want to look at. The first one is this boasting. And we're all familiar with this idea of boasting. We know how to do this well. Speaking with excessive pride. We boast any time we do that. We just... We've got excessive pride and we start talking about it. Anytime we talk about our possessions, our talents, our accomplishments, things we've done in the past, and we just, you know, we love telling the stories, we're tempted to just boast about different things. And there's three in particular that we really, I think, um, 
that come very naturally, the Scripture really cautions us against. The first one is tomorrow. Anytime we start boasting about what's going to happen tomorrow, that, that gets us into trouble. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Look at Proverbs 27.1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We think, I've got a, I've got a lot of control over what happens tomorrow, so I'm going to start sharing my great plans of what I believe you know, is going to happen in my life and in, in the next few months. So we speak about our three-year plan or our one-year plan or our five-year plans. And it might be revolving around our career, our family, but we're all just very, very inclined to boast about our future. But according to Scripture, that's a form of arrogance. It's arrogant speech, believing that we actually have control over tomorrow. And we don't. God holds the future. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Think about some of the shocking seasons of your life. Those crisis points, those moments where you just never expected. You know, most of us never anticipate those things that just alter our lives. And we, you know, our lives are shaped through these major events that we, most of the time, we didn't realize they were going to happen. And, but yet we were tempted in this area to just start talking and bragging about our plans and our future Another thing we're tempted to boast about is ourselves. Just flat out talking about ourselves. We're all guilty of this. I know I am. I love sharing stories about my past. And I've been in those situations many times where I'm talking and talking and talking and then I look around and realize, and I'm in a group of people. It's intended to be a group experience. And I look around and everyone's just like... <laughs> they're worn out. And We've all been in those small group experiences where there's that person. And we've even been that person, I think, at times. Maybe not everybody in this room, but, you know, we're, eh, this guy's just going on and on. And then the body language of everyone's just like, I see this in, in groups here and there. And, and th- this is what the root of it is, is boasting about ourselves. It's, again, it's an arrogant form of speech. Let another praise you, Proverbs 27, 2 says. Let another praise you, not your own mouth. Someone else, not your own lips. Try to go a whole day, if you can, without boasting about yourself. And if you do it, don't tell anybody about it. You know, I made it! Start over. <laughs> you ruined it. Don't tell anybody when you've accomplished that. Just try to boast about other people. Praising ourselves is very much like our native tongue. It's our native language. You know, we, ling- we learn, for those of you know, first language is English, you know, we're like, English arrogance. <laughs> English boasting. It's just praising ourselves is very much, because it's in our heart, it's not like we have to um, learn this stuff. It's just, it's, it's a part of who, of who we are. So we have such a hard time in this area. Another thing is, we want to boast about how valuable we are to God. We're, full, we're so valuable to Him. And the truth is, we are. We're precious. As we get into the Scriptures, we find out that He cares about us so much. We're His prized possession of all creation. We're, we're so special to Him. And so because of that, it's easy to just boast about how good we are. That God would save us. That God. The truth is, we're not that good. The truth is that He sacrificed Himself so that we could be forgiven of all the wrong that we've ever done. But we want to boast about things and Romans chapter 3, verse 27 through 28. The context here is about getting right with God and how we need to make peace with Him. But then it, it says this. It asks some questions. Where then is all the boasting? 
Because he's saying, you've been made right with God. Where then is the boasting? Apparently, people were struggling in the area of boasting about how valuable they were to God. He says, it's excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? Meaning, on that of what we do? The answer there is really, you know, no. He follows it up. No, but on that of faith. God does not respond to what we do. For those who would want to save themselves through observing the law, God doesn't respond through what we do. We respond to what God has done. The verse continues, For we maintain, verse 28, that a man is justified. He's made Justified means to be made right with God. For a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Our faith is built upon the work of Christ. He set the pace. He's the one that went ahead and sacrificed himself. He took the initiative so that it would be possible for all of us to come to know him. There's really not a whole lot we can boast about when it comes to our salvation. Because we didn't do the work. He did the work. We have a real opportunity to share. And this is the tricky part about it. You know, he did all the work in, in, in making peace for us to have peace with God. For those of us who've done that, not everybody necessarily here has decided to commit their lives to follow Christ. And so you're, the Scripture says you're still, in one sense, an enemy to the cross. You might th- not think about that, but Scripture says that we, we have a debt to pay. We owe God because of our, our lives of rebellion and choosing to do life independent from Him. And so, because of that, we have a debt we owe Him. Something has to pay for our rebellion. And so, God, through Christ, made a way for us to, to bridge that gap and to come into the presence of God and have peace with Him. And because of that, we have a lot to be thankful for and then the Scripture tells us we're to share that with others. We're to share this new life with others if you've experienced it. We're, we're to, it's called evangelism, to share our faith with others. And so there's a tension, I think, because we're, we're commanded, as those who follow Christ, to share with others. And so we're excited. This is what God's done in my life. We want to share the story that God has done. But there's a tension in that. We have to share our story and lift up and boast about the one who, who really did the work. And I think sometimes we're tempted to share the story and get the glory in the story. And God, He, he reserves that for Himself. What do, you, what do you tend to boast about most often? Think about this question. What, what is it that I boast about the most? It's different from all of us here. For me, you know, I'm thinking about it. My kids, you know, if my kids are doing something right, I'm like, I'd stand a little taller. If they're doing something wrong, I'll kind of hide, you know, and... You know, if if I like the way my yard looks at the you know at the moment, then that's you know that's something to kind of talk about, and maybe just my ideas, my accomplishments. But take take a second. This is actually a little assignment here. Take a second and list out the top three ways or things that you tend to boast about. Just take them. Just take ten seconds. Think about it. What are those things I tend to boast about? Those struggles. These are struggles that we tend to talk about. Get those things in your mind and write them, or write them down on paper. These are danger zones. Once you identify what those areas are, it's important to know those. It's important to know, man, those are, those are weaknesses. If I want to boast about those things, those are going to get me into trouble. Because boasting, since boasting is a form of arrogance and God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, if God opposes the proud, what that means is He'll come against our arrogance. And He'll make sure that we come down. He'll bring us down to where we ought to be. And we don't want that experience to come against God and 
But there, there is a right time to boast. But it's never about us. The right time to boast is not about us. Right boasting is aimed at God. This is what we find out in the Scripture. Right boasting is when we direct it or focus it towards Him and His works. Jeremiah chapter 9 talks about we're to boast in the Lord, simply. We're to boast in the Lord. In Galatians, Paul says, he boasts in the cross of Jesus Christ. Where others were boasting in the, all these external, outward expressions of, of their faith and how they were observing the law or they were doing things that looked good on the outside. Paul, one of the church leaders, he said, I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. He's, he's saying this, it's Galatians 6.14. That passage really gets at what's, what's the right thing to boast about? It's boasting at the Lord. So as you share, which it's impossible not to talk about things, especially important things, like your relationship to God, be careful. We have to be careful not to build ourselves up so as to get the glory, but just keep giving it back to God who did the real work. Another form of arrogant speech is this, is judging. Judging. Judging is any time we form an evaluation or an opinion by discerning or comparing. It's criticism. We're good at judgment. We know how to judge others and we look for things in their lives and we find fault in their lives. And we tend to judge a bunch of different things and we really shouldn't. This is, again, another form of arrogant speech. One of the first things we tend to judge and shouldn't is the spirituality of others related to our own. We look at other people's lives and we, we look at what they're doing with their lives or what they're not doing with their lives and we, we start passing judgment on them. Maybe we make a comment towards them or we make a comment... Um, to someone else about that person. We're passing judgment on someone. This is a danger zone for all of us. We have to watch this. Nobody's like above this possibility. Look at this verse, Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. Jesus is talking about judging others. And he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? So there's something wrong. There's this, there's this area. You find a fault in their life. You find the speck of sawdust. And it says, and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's this plank in my own eye or in your own eye? Basically, there's this major pattern of sin. It's like a big giant beam coming out of our head, knocking people down. And, and we're somehow not... We're oblivious to the fact that we've got this. We may not be oblivious, but we're so focused on finding fault little fault in other people in their lives, their, their walk with God, that we miss this major area of, of, of harm or potentially disobedience in our own. And the idea here, verse 5, he says, here's the, here's the order. You hypocrite, he says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The idea here is that our sin prevents us from really seeing clearly to help others grow. So if we're not working on ourselves, we're going to have a real hard time pointing out things in people's lives and then also trying to correct those things. We have to make sure we're focused <clears throat> on our own walk with the Lord. We also shouldn't judge this other area, another person's view on disputable things. Anytime there's uh, a disagreement that we have over gray areas or things that really are not essential, um, they're not black and white issues, we can really pass judgment on these disputable matters and the positions people take. Romans 14.1 says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. The whole chapter 14 of Romans gets into this idea of, 
a man who has a weak faith and a strong faith. And we're to be very careful. For those of you who've walked with Christ for a long time, and you've nailed down some issues in life, you've decided to take some stands and some convictions on some things, and then someone new comes to, to faith. And you start analyzing and trying to speed them up in the process or trying to, you see something that's not right and you, maybe they don't hold the same convictions as you do. For us to really uh, pass judgment or try to criticize, or that's, gonna, that's out of balance here. There's some disputable matters that, that are not easily settled. The Scripture's not black and white on every single issue. There's some gray matters that I think we'll arrive in heaven and we, we can have those conversations with the Lord and say, God, why what do you, why'd you say this here and this here? And, and uh, I kind of agreed with this, but for some reason this always bothered me over here. And Well, maybe that was one of those gray matters that He left somewhat mysterious for us. And, and we're going to have to be okay with some of those things. We want, we want every... I don't know if you're one of the people that wants it black and white, but I prefer the black and white. It's nice to just have it all settled. But we get all hung up on on gray matters. Sometimes the matter relates to school. Sometimes it has to do with parenting. You know, the, there's several debates when it comes to schooling. You know, some if you have got kids, you know, there's public school, there's private school, there's home school, there's charter school, there's military school. I don't know, is there any other schools out there? There's no school. You can just rebel. (laughs) But, you know, we might really dig into one of these issues. Man, it's all about this. You know, it's all about public school because I want my kid to be a light to the community. I want him him or her to be a light, a witness to their friends and drawing people to God. And and then you've got people, and I'm just saying that's one potential argument for that. You know, you got someone who's in private school. I don't, I don't want my kid in that environment. That's destructive. It's harmful. It's, you know, and it's going to uh, take them the wrong direction. I'd rather not have them under the influence of interacting with every everyone there. I'd like to have a little more control in the, over the environment. Well, then there's the homeschool bunch, and you know, well, I want to be raising my, I want to be doing all the the training myself, and and. And then there's the charter school, and it's kind of a combination. Then there's the no school and military school. And everyone has their positions. And really, the truth is, it's a conviction that, that we're held responsible. Whatever we decide in life, in the areas that is our stewardship, we've got to be responsible for those things. And there's a lot of wisdom in, in, in many of these different options and the categories and what people are deciding to do. But it's when we decide, I'm in this camp, and this person's in this camp, and we start criticizing or making people feel inferior. And I've had this happen in that very issue. And at one point, the person was saying, well, and it, it really was like a spiritual criticism. And, and I thought, I, I thought, and I, and I probably in my mind initially wanted to explain the spiritual nature of what I thought. But the truth is, these are the issues that we could get divided over. They're disputable matters. And these are areas of judgment that it's a form of arrogant speech. We have to watch this area. Another thing is the, the relative worth of people. We shouldn't judge that. Anytime we show favoritism, we're out of bounds. James 2, verses 3 through 4. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, snappy dresser, and you say, here's a good seat for you. It's up in the front. It's a great seat for you. But say to the poor man, hey, you stand over there. 
Sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We can do this. The problem is with judging is we take God's place when we judge the wrong things. We start judging in areas that He has He said, that's not for you to judge. James 4.12 says this, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? There are some out-of-bounds areas. We're not to judge in those areas. Judgment on others, actually, we find out in Scripture, it costs us personally because God will measure our judgment in the same way that we've judged others. He will judge us in the same manner that we have cast judgment or criticized other people. Matthew 7, 1 through 2, it says, Don't judge or you'll be judged from the same manner. That's what it says. You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Our judgment always comes back around to us in our kids, in our marriages. Anytime we criticize someone else's kids for something, it's not long before our kids are doing the same thing. I, I've experienced this. And I'm, I'm, learning to not do, I'm learning to not criticize because I'm like, man, I'm, gonna eat, I'm eating my words when that happens. I will eat those words. We can experience the, the very same things that we're critical of others. Judgment can even happen at church. We listen to sermons and, you know, we come to a sermon when we use something sort of like the Olympic rating system. You know, we walk away, eh, kind of like a 6.5 today. You know, better than last week. That was like a 2.0. And, you know, maybe one of these days if I come here long enough, I'll get like an 8 range, you know, an 8.0. And, you know, fat chance we'll ever get a 10, you know, here. But the problem with that is when God speaks... He's not after a rating. I'm not God, but as I share God's Word, when God speaks, His Word is not, it has nothing to do with getting a rating. He's not trying to get a rating from us. He's trying to get obedience. When He speaks, He wants obedience. He wants application. We can get real, that's, again, it's a form of, of judging. So the cure to this is, is focus on solving your own life. That's what Scripture says. Matthew 7 just says, first, the priority is take the plank out of your own eye. That's the priority. Focus on your own life. In order to avoid penalty for judging, when you try to help other people, focus on your own life. Let what you notice in the lives of others be a trigger to, to analyze what, what's going on in your life and in your heart. When you notice things are not right over there, just turn and say, God, what's not right in here? And help me focus right here. The last form of arrogant speech that I want to look at is this. It's called mocking. Mocking is anytime we ridicule or we treat others with contempt, we mock at all sorts of things. The first one is this, making amends at sin or for sin. We mock at the whole idea that we have anything wrong. Proverbs 14.9, fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. Some of us have such a hard time admitting our sin, admitting our faults and our offenses. We just kind of shrug things off and we say, you know, if, if that was, if I offended you with that, if you were so little, if that really offended you, then I'm sorry. But that, that's not really an apology, you know. I'm really sorry that you're so sensitive that that offended you. So sorry. Or, or don't be so sensitive, you know, or, or, or someone is truly hurt and we begin to poke at their pain. And we're like, come on, why was that such a big deal? And we do this, don't we? we? We minimize things that are not right in our lives. We start mocking. Verbally, we're mocking what is right, what is upright. 
We have to be careful of that. Another thing is, we mock an instruction. Anytime someone tries to teach us something, whether it's in, in a friendship setting, a peer setting, maybe in a group setting, even in a large group setting like this, you know, we can mock at that kind of instruction. He who scorns instruction will pay for it, Proverbs 13.13 13 says. But he who respects the command is rewarded. There's real reward in choosing to learn from others. But we think, as if we really needed to learn anything, I just showed up to be a part of that group. I just showed up because I, I know they need my help there. I'm not the leader, but I know that I'm kind of like the leader. Because what I say, everyone needs to hear. But again, we, we, we mock at instruction when we're learning, when, we don't, when we're not teachable. When we talk over the leader, when we take that and run with it. We also we mock at people who try to follow God. You may have never done this, or maybe you have, but you know, maybe before you came to Christ, you mocked at people who followed God. This happens. Remember, it says, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, for I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies have mocked. O Lord, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. This is one reason, I think, why people give for not committing their lives to Christ. They don't want to be mocked. If you choose to follow Christ, you're probably going to endure a great deal of ridicule for following Jesus Christ. People are, people are going to Question the life you live, the choices you make, the priorities you have. Why would you go to church in the morning? Why would you get up? You know, you're going to have to hear, why would you get up? Why didn't you just sleep in? You know, why did you bother volunteering and helping? Why don't you just let the hired staff do all that? Why would you, you know, why would you contribute your, your, your income, your hard-earned money to help the church? You know, that, you know, there's just a lot of mocking that goes on for those who try to follow Christ. But, the, this is actually a badge of honor. Anytime you are mocked for following Christ, it's like a badge of honor because Christ Himself was He was ridiculed. He was rejected. He was, he was scorned. He was beaten. This is a badge of honor. It sounds backwards to us, I think, when we think, when we, when we think about it. But it, actually, you're, you're following Christ. You're that, and it says we humble ourselves. If we'll push ourselves forward, God will humble us. But if we'll choose to humble ourselves, enduring mistreatment, God lifts that person up. He exalts that one. The other thing is we, we can mock God. This is a dangerous area. Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Sometimes we think we can just disregard God and His commands and think, you know, His commands are not worthy of my attention. They're not worthy of my consideration. These things don't apply to me. I'm kind of a special case. I can deceive God on certain things and get around Him because we grow up deceiving our moms and dads. I've talked about this before. We grow up and we've gotten away with things. We go to a party, we get busted, and then we get caught. And then we call our mom to bail us out and we plead our case. Mom, can you come and get me out of jail? The cops took me down here. I don't know why they found found some beer at the party and we're... And mom, oh, I'll be right there. You tell that officer I'm coming. Talk to him. You know, and we get used to deceiving people, mom, dad, bosses, friends, that we think we can outsmart God. There's certain things we can maneuver our way around God, and the truth is we can't do that. God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow. And Paul's saying that. Mockery, though, it's costly. Mockery, people detest mockers. If we choose to, to be a mocker in life, to ridicule, the slam on others. The schemes of folly or sin, and man 
and men detest a mocker. We're not going to find ourselves with many relationships. Mockers can't escape trouble. They work and work and work, and they try to get things put together in life. Proverbs 14.6 says that they just can't escape trouble. A mocker seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge comes easily to the discerning. You get in a pinch and you've been a mocker in life. Well, God doesn't help you out of that mess. You, you go through a lot more pain and trouble in life when we choose this form of arrogant speech. Another thing, mockery, it is, it is paving the way for a shorter life. Possible death. Look at, for those who decide to mock at their parents, and this is really referring to those who are under their parents' care. This isn't referring to like adult children. If you're, you still, you know, if you're an adult and you have living parents, um, you shouldn't mock your parents regardless. It's, it's out of bounds. But the role that your parents have as an adult changes. But look at what it says. The eye that mocks the father that scorns obedience to a mother will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. This is, just, this is out of bounds. You don't want to mock your parents. You don't want to mock them. You need to learn how to, we need to learn how to show honor to them. If we're still responsible, if you're young, you're living with your parents, and they're responsible for you, you, know, you do best to obey their, your parents. There's protection in that. Instead, here's the alternate, though. Instead, we speak to others with humility and respect. Proverbs 3.34, we'll end with this. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. We really get no reward or points in life by using arrogant words. Arrogance, all it does in any of these areas, it just keeps extending our pain further and further into the future. And many of the problems we face will just dog us for years because of this. Jesus Christ is the only way to find our way out of this kind of speech. He's the only way. We need Him to come into our hearts and to begin to change us. And then we need to learn how to walk with Him, cooperate with Him, and, and our hearts will begin to detect and delete arrogant speech before it flies out of our mouth. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer as Cody comes up. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, thank you for, again, for these, uh, I know we've covered a lot, but Lord, thank you for these different areas. God, we know that these things are, we struggle in these areas and, we need your help, Lord. Thank you, Father, that your ways are right. Your ways are true. And Lord, we, 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 just, we ask that you give us the ability to choose humility and to begin to build a pattern of that, Lord. That we choose to be humble. That we choose to put ourselves down rather than lift ourselves up. And that our speech would reflect that, Lord. Help, would you quicken our mind to an area or areas that we need to change or we need to confess to you, Lord, or maybe even clear some things up in, Lord. Help us in that area. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you take out your connection card, in a few moments our ushers are going to be coming forward. And um, on the back you'll see there's three next steps. And I'd encourage you to consider taking one of these next steps. The first is intentionally just work on saying delete before saying the word that is on your tongue. You have the thought... And you're like, that ain't going to be good. Delete. You might even say it out loud as a way to just hold yourself accountable. Or then secondly, list out what I tend to boast about, like we did, as a reminder of my danger zone. Since pray through that list that we made. The third area is straighten out any relationship that God has brought to your mind that has been damaged because of arrogance. 
an arrogant speech. Hopefully, you just want to keep short accounts on things with God and with others. Hopefully, um, God has brought some things to your mind. We're going to go ahead and receive the offering right now. And uh, as the ushers come forward, if you'd also put the connection card in there. Thank you so much for faithfulness and giving.